19,502 incorporated places registered within the United States alone. Towns, villages, cities. 19,502 sanctuaries of community. How many are real? How many are illusions? Charades meticulously played out by forces unknown. In the 21st century, the concept of community feels increasingly important. As the world grows more complex, the simple idea of knowing your neighbor, of trusting your local police, of gathering together, provides a semblance of stability. Eden Grove was a name that, until recently, would have evoked the image of any small, peaceful community, a place where doors were left unlocked and children played freely in the streets. But beneath this idyllic exterior, there unfurled a web of darkness so intricate that it challenges not just our understanding of community, but our understanding of humanity itself. We live our lives bound by the belief that our daily experiences are shared, that when we see a friend or a family member, we are seeing them as they have always been. Yet, there are forces that mock this belief, that take it apart thread by thread until nothing remains but an empty shell of a life that once was. This is not conjecture. This is not an exaggeration. If you think you understand the limits of what is possible, prepare for a disconcerting awakening. Your community, your family, your very existence might not be what you believe it to be. You are not just a witness to these events. You are a potential participant in a theater of horrors so grand it spans across towns, across states, perhaps even across dimensions. What happened in Eden Grove could be happening right now in your community, perhaps even to you. We may not know the why, but we do know the how. And the how is a tale so profoundly disturbing, it will recalibrate your understanding of reality. Ignorance is not bliss, it's a ticking clock. Every second wasted is a second closer to another Eden Grove, to another you. To another you. You've been warned. You've been warned. September 20th. Fall is finally here. The crisp air, the smell of leaves, and of course, pumpkin spice everything. Mark and the kids are excited about the annual harvest festival. We've been going for years, and it's always the highlight of our fall. Timmy is already planning his pumpkin carving design, and Lily can't stop talking about the costume she wants to wear. This might be my favorite time of year. Everything is so beautiful. September 23rd. Coffee with Beverly today was, as always, a delight. We talked about the kids, school, and the upcoming Harvest Festival. She mentioned something about this year's event being special, but it always is. 
She seemed a bit distracted, though. Perhaps she just has a lot going on. We all do this time of year. September 27th. I had the strangest encounter with Mr. Davis at the grocery store today. He's usually so chatty, always asking about Mark and the kids. But today, he just stared at me for a few moments too long, as if he was trying to figure something out. When I asked him if everything was okay, he just smiled and said, Of course, Maria. Just daydreaming, I guess. It's probably nothing, but the way he said it was so strange. Almost like bad acting in a low-budget movie. September 30th. It's the end of the month, and I've started noticing even more odd things. Linda, my next-door neighbor, has been gardening at odd hours. I saw her digging around in her backyard at, like, 11 p.m. last night? When I asked her about it when I saw her this morning, she let out what sounded to me like a fake laugh and said she's been having insomnia and that gardening helps her relax. That may be believable if she didn't look so... well-rested. Also... Mark has been acting differently. He seems distracted, like he's got something on his mind that he doesn't want to share. I asked him if everything was okay, and he assured me it was, but something in his eyes. I don't know. I'm probably reading too much into it. We've been together for 22 years. I've just never seen that look before. October 1st. The strange occurrences are becoming more frequent. For starters, Samantha from the book club has been acting really off. Normally, she's a chatterbox, always talking about the latest mystery novel or some drama at her work. But yesterday, she was quiet and distant. Even her laugh sounded... forced? I'm likely overthinking it. Maybe she just had a bad day. And then there's the butcher... Mr. Peterson, I've been going to his shop for years. The man loves to talk about his meats, how he gets them fresh from local farms, and so on. Today, he barely said a word, just handed me what I usually order and nodded. It felt like I was interacting with a stranger, and for the first time ever, the meat seemed less fresh. Could be a supply chain issue, I suppose. I told Mark about it, and he said I'm worrying over nothing. Maybe he's right. Maybe it's just the stress of preparing for all the events this month, and the kids are about to be on harvest break in a few weeks. But why can't I shake this feeling that something is very wrong? October 5th. Mark and I went out to dinner last night at the Cozy Corner, my favorite little Italian place in the hearts of Eden Grove. It's always been an intimate, warm spot. But last night it felt so... cold. Sterile, almost. It wasn't just the lack of people, but the atmosphere itself was wrong. I can't narrow it down to any one thing, but I know it wasn't in my head. And the food wasn't the same. The spaghetti tasted... bland. It's hard to explain... I almost wanted to ask if they changed chefs, but I could see Frederick back there cooking. 
It looked like he had two black eyes. Must have had a rough night, I guess. Then, on the way home, I noticed most of the houses on our street had their lights on, which is odd for 10 p.m. on a weeknight. Even the Johnsons, who were always in bed by 9 p.m., had their living room lights on. No one was outside, no cars driving in any direction. Just lights on in houses where everyone should be asleep. It was as if the whole town had suddenly turned into night owls. Mark didn't seem to think it was weird at all. He made some really dry joke about the town getting ready for Halloween early. I pretended to laugh, but I didn't find it funny at all. Lately, I've felt like I've been the only one not faking my interactions, but it looks like that isn't true after all. I'm really hoping that this is all just anxiety-induced delusions created from stress. October 8th. I went to the local grocery store today to pick up some essentials. As usual, Mrs. Thompson was at the cash register, but something about her seemed... off. Her usual cheerful demeanor was replaced by a sort of robotic efficiency. She smiled, but it felt forced, not like the warm, inviting smile I've come to know. It was more like... I was a customer coming in a minute before close and ordering the whole menu. Even the produce seemed less vibrant. The tomatoes looked a little too perfect, almost as if they were plastic. When I got home and tasted one, it was like biting into a balloon filled with water. No flavor at all. Is this what GMOs are doing to our food? Or am I just becoming increasingly paranoid? And don't get me started on the kids. They've been quieter lately. Not in a, they're up to something kind of way, but in a, why are they so well behaved all of a sudden way. They're almost too perfect, and it's unnerving. They aren't themselves. When I asked Mark about it, He shrugged it off and told me I'm reading too much into things. Maybe he's right, but this unsettling feeling refuses to leave me. October 15th. I stumbled upon something so bizarre today that I'm not sure what to make of it. While bringing down some decorations from the attic, I found a stack of photographs hidden behind some old boxes. The pictures were of different women who, oddly enough, looked somewhat like me. The resemblance wasn't exact, but it was close enough to be disturbing. What truly unnerved me was that each photograph had an X through it, except for one which was circled. I can't shake off the feeling that someone's been studying me, or at least studying women who look like me. Why? For what purpose? I confronted Mark about the photos, and he seemed genuinely perplexed. He said they must have been left by the previous homeowner, but his words felt hollow, rehearsed almost. Could Mark be hiding something from me? But what? Every strange thing I notice is like a puzzle piece 
to different puzzles. I can't make sense of what's going on around here. I've been reading through my previous journal entries, and it's almost like I'm documenting a slow decline into madness. So many oddities and abnormalities that I've noted about the town and its residents. It's leading me to question if I'm the one who's becoming unhinged. Is my perception of reality the one that's skewed? Am I making mountains out of molehills? It's like I've become a detective of my own life, meticulously noting down every little inconsistency and oddity. Yet the more I dig, the more I question my own sanity. Could it be that I'm the one who's off and everyone else is perfectly normal? October 16th. I don't know how to put this, but today I felt like living inside a badly dubbed movie. The words coming out of Mark's mouth didn't match the movements of his body language. It wasn't just his delivery, the tone, the inflection. It was like watching a stranger trying to mimic someone I've known for years. He was making coffee this morning, and I swear he looked at the coffee maker like he'd never used it before. He didn't hum like he usually does. It was this eerie silence, punctuated by the mechanical hiss of the coffee maker. My children, Timothy and Lily, have been acting strange too. Just sitting in their rooms, staring at their toys but not playing with them. When I asked what they were doing, Timmy said, Just looking, Mom. But it didn't sound like his voice. It was deeper, colder. I went back to my room and locked the door. I started rereading my journal, questioning everything I've written so far. Seriously, am I going crazy? Is this all in my head? Those photos I found, the women who looked vaguely like me, marked with X's and one circled. Am I just seeing patterns that aren't there? This can't be real. I can't be the only one noticing this, can I? What if it's me? What if I'm the one who's not right, and everyone else is perfectly fine? God, I can't even look at myself in the mirror anymore without wondering what's wrong with me. I have to stop. I need to sleep. Maybe when I finally get a good night's rest, everything will make sense. October 17th. I've locked myself in the bathroom. The tiles are cold against my back. But it's the only place I feel even remotely safe right now. My hands tremble as I hold this pen. The silence outside is more deafening than any noise. What are they doing? What are they planning? The last few weeks... Even my own household became a stage for this bizarre play where I'm the only one not reading from the script. Mark hasn't looked me in the eye for days. Timmy and Lily laugh at things that aren't funny, their laughter devoid of any real joy. They get less familiar every day that goes by. 
This journal was supposed to be my sanctuary, a place to record the moments that make up my life. Now it's a record of my sanity unraveling. Am I losing my mind, or has everyone else lost theirs? There, outside the door now. I can hear them. It's Mark, Timmy, and Lily. They're saying my name. Over and over. Why are they doing that? It sounds so weird. Like they're just saying a word devoid of any meaning. Not like it's me they're talking about. I don't know what's going on. I'm scared. I'm really scared. I think they... This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the EerieCast network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the U.S. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer, New York, deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry, while Steve separately researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hey fam, Brian here. If you're new to Brian's Offbeat Odyssey, welcome to the ride. 
We've been traveling around the country visiting unique, off-the-beaten-path spots and sharing the adventure with all of you. To the OGs, thanks for sticking around. You're the real MVPs. So, guys, I've got something super special planned for this Halloween. Remember how I mentioned I reconnected with a long-lost cousin on Facebook? Well, it turns out he lives in this little town called Eden Grove. And guess what? They throw the most epic Halloween celebration you've ever heard of. I mean, the whole town gets into it. Parades, haunted houses, you name it. Now, I know what you're thinking. Brian, isn't Halloween like a month away? Yes. Yes, it is. But the thing is, this isn't just a one-night affair. They've got events and festivities leading up to the big night, and I want to experience it all. Plus, it's not going to be just me. Sarah's coming along for the ride. You guys love her, and we thought it would be a cute couple's adventure. To the skeptics in the comments, I hear you. Why would you go to a random small town for Halloween? Look, Eden Grove isn't just any small town. It has a rich history and deep-rooted community that goes all out for Halloween. There's something magical about it, or so I've been told. Plus, it's an opportunity to reconnect and bond with family, you know? So I'll be keeping you all updated on the journey, from the road trip to the events and, of course, the big night itself. Keep an eye out for daily posts and maybe even some live streams. And if you've got any tips or suggestions for surviving an epic small town Halloween, drop them in the comments below. Let's make this Halloween one for the books. Peace out, Brian. Hey everyone, Brian back at you. The day has finally come. Sarah and I are loading up the car and hitting the road to Eden Grove. You won't believe the amount of planning that went into this. We've got costumes, snacks, camera gear, and get this, a freaking drone. Yeah, I splurged a little, but the aerial shots are going to be insane. To the newbies, welcome. You've just joined Brian's Offbeat Odyssey, where we explore the coolest, weirdest, most unique places. This month, it's all about Eden Grove's legendary Halloween festivities. Don't forget to follow my blog so you don't miss any updates. I've been talking to my cousin Greg about our visit. He's been super hospitable, even offering to let us stay at his place. Now, I haven't seen Greg in years, but from what I remember, he's a great guy. A little quirky, maybe, but hey, aren't we all? But okay, real talk. Some of you guys have been DMing me with concerns about small-town vibes and how they can be, well, unsettling. I get it. The horror movie tropes are strong with this one. Sarah's a bit nervous too, but that's where you come in. We're keeping our eyes open and our wits about us. But if you've got any tips on how to navigate small town dynamics, especially during high stakes holiday like Halloween, drop them in the comments. Your advice is golden, fam. Anyway, the next time you hear from me, we'll be in Eden Grove soaking in the eerie atmosphere. <laughs> Stay tuned and keep those suggestions coming. Later, Brian. Hey everyone, 
we've officially touched down in Eden Grove. The drive was a bit of a trek, about eight hours not counting the pit stops. Seriously, we found this roadside diner along the way that had the best apple pie. But enough about that, let's get into the real stuff. So we're staying with my cousin Greg and his wife Tina. Lovely people, really. But not at all how I remember them from those awkward family reunions. Greg's a bit more introverted now, and Tina seems constantly preoccupied. Must be the Halloween festivities getting to them because, let me tell you, this town goes all out. We're talking haunted hayrides, local kids in costumes that could rival a Hollywood set, and decorations that make you question if it's all just pretend. I've never seen anything like it. Big shout out to at Ben Delish for the awesome suggestion to get some local charms from the general store. They're supposed to bring good luck or ward off spirits or something like that. In a town this spooky, we'll take all the help we can get. Now for the odd bit. As we were driving into town, we both noticed that everyone, like everyone, was staring at us. Not in a who-are-these-strangers kind of way, but more like they were sizing us up. It was unnerving, to say the least. Later tonight, we're headed to a town bonfire. Greg and Tina were very, uh, enthusiastic about us going. Like, oddly so. I'll be capturing everything on my phone, so expect a video blog to follow. Catch you in the next update. Brian. Hey fam, it's Brian, back at it. Alright, first full day in Eden Grove is in the books, and let me tell you, it's been a trip. So, about that bonfire last night, holy smokes. The fire was gigantic, almost ceremonial in a way. People were dancing around it, and there was this rhythmic chanting going on. Even Greg was super into it. Like, suspiciously so. I tried to snap some video for you all, but guess what? My phone just decided to freeze up. Like, full-on glitched. Never happened before. Super weird. So, no video, unfortunately. People still seem to be staring, though. Sarah popped into the local grocery store this morning and felt like she was the star of her own Truman Show episode. People were definitely whispering and throwing glances her way. It's like we've got Outsider stamped on our foreheads or something. Quick shout out to at JenL42 who commented, Drove through Eden Grove last month on my way to visit family. You're crazy for staying, man. I couldn't get out of there fast enough. Hmm wonder what spooked you, Jen. We're here at Greg's place for a few more days, at least. Sarah and I talked about leaving earlier, but Greg and Tina seemed really excited about showing us around. Maybe it's just small town quirks. Talk soon, Brian. Hey fam, it's Brian again. And I gotta admit, things are getting weirder by the day in Eden Grove seriously considering cutting this trip short. So, Sarah disappeared for a few hours today. Yep, you heard me. 
She went out for a morning jog and didn't come back until the afternoon. When I asked her about it, she seemed confused, like she didn't know where the time went. She also had this far-off look in her eyes that gave me the creeps. Oh, and the car won't start. Tried to go into town to pick up some essentials, and the damn thing just wouldn't turn over. Greg offered to give us a lift, but there was something in the way he said it. Like, he was trying hard not to smirk. Ugh, maybe I'm just being paranoid. Also, the whole town seems to be gearing up for this harvest festival in a few days. And we were told it's a can't-miss event. But the enthusiasm feels a little too... fervent. There are banners everywhere with slogans like, Reap the harvest, and sow the future. I even saw some folks wearing masks and chanting in the streets. Quick update on the whole feeling-watched situation. Sarah and I are both getting that vibe harder than when we first got here. It's like the whole town is in on something that we aren't. Can't shake off the feeling that everyone here is playing a character. Shout out to at KyleP89 who commented, Trust your gut, man. If something feels off, it probably is. Yeah, Kyle, you're preaching to the choir. Thinking of packing up and heading out tomorrow. Later, Brian. Hey, everyone. Brian here. And, well, today was a day. A really messed up day. First off, Sarah's acting strange. More so than before. She's distant, aloof, and keeps muttering things under her breath. When I asked her about it, she snapped at me. This isn't like her, guys. We tried to leave, packed our bags and everything, but guess what? I cannot get the car started. I checked everything, tried jumping it, and nothing. The local mechanic shop said they can't look at it until after the harvest festival. Convenient, right? We're stuck here, at least for another day or two. Greg and his wife were weirdly calm about it, almost like they had expected us to stay. They offered us an extended stay in their spare bedroom, saying that we're family and family sticks together. I appreciate the sentiment, but why did they say it in unison? Creepy. And about that harvest festival, apparently it's a big deal here. There's talk about a sacred ceremony and bountiful harvest. People are walking around in strange costumes, carrying staffs and symbols I can't make heads or tails of. I'm starting to think the commenter who said they couldn't leave fast enough was onto something. We pass by a small gathering of people near the woods, ch chanting and dancing. It was unsettling, to say the least. And when they saw us watching, they stopped and stared. Every single one. I've decided to document everything on here, just in case. Something's wrong in Eden Grove. And I don't want to find out what it is. I'll keep you all updated. Signing off for now, Brian. Hey everyone. Quick update. It's early morning here in Eden Grove, 
and Sarah's missing. I woke up and she wasn't in bed. At first I thought she might have gone for a walk or something. She sometimes does that when she can't sleep. But she usually leaves a note or texts me. And this time there's nothing. I've tried calling her but it goes straight to voicemail. I've texted her. No response yet. This is starting to freak me out a little. I've looked around the house and there's no sign of her. Even Greg and his wife seem puzzled, though it's hard to tell with them. They're not exactly the most expressive people. So here's the plan. If she doesn't get back in the next hour or so, I'm going out to look for her. I don't care how big this harvest festival is or what strange ceremonies they're planning. Finding Sarah is my priority right now. I'll keep you guys posted as things develop. If anyone has any advice or ideas, please comment. I could really use some help here. Until the next update, Brian. Guys, I'm seriously freaked out. I've been walking around the town for the last few hours, showing people photos of Sarah on my phone, asking if they've seen her. I want to share a couple of these interactions with you because they were just so off. First, I talked to a woman outside the grocery store. I showed her Sarah's picture and she looked at it for what felt like an eternity before saying, No, haven't seen her, but what's lost is always found eventually. Her voice had this monotone quality, like she was reading poorly from a script. Then I spoke with a guy at the gas station. He glanced at the photo, then back at me, his eyes just a little too wide, and said, People come and go, don't they? It didn't even sound like a natural way to speak. It was like he was forcing the words out. But the weirdest part was when I called the police. I dialed 911, and when the dispatcher answered, her voice sounded so detached. I explained that Sarah was missing, that she hadn't been answering her phone, and we had plans to meet up. There was a long pause, filled with static. Then she said, Around here, things just have a way of working themselves out. No need to be concerned. And she hung up. Just like that. I'm back at Greg's now, and I've searched the entire house. No sign of her. I'm at a complete loss. I've never felt this isolated and helpless. It's like I'm in a bubble, cut off from any real help or empathy. Please, if anyone has any suggestions, advice, or even just words of encouragement, I need them now more than ever. Until the next update, Brian. Another update. You guys won't believe what just happened. My phone buzzed, and I nearly dropped it in my rush to check. It was a text from Sarah. All it said was, I'm fine. I'm fine? Seriously? After hours of no contact, going missing without a trace, she sends, I'm fine. I tried calling her right away, but it went straight to voicemail. I've texted back a dozen times, no response.
It's like she dropped off the face of the earth again. And here's a creepy part. Her location is still not available on Find My Friends. So either her phone is off again, or she's somewhere that doesn't have service. Either way, it doesn't make sense. Why text me to say she's fine and then go dark again? I've got this growing feeling that something is deeply wrong here. It's like the walls are closing in on me. Even the air feels thick and suffocating. I can't shake off this unease, this sense that I'm being watched, or something. I want to leave. Get in the car and just drive until Eden Grove is a distant memory. But I can't. Not without Sarah. And not without a car. So here I am, waiting for another text, a call, anything. If I don't hear back soon, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I don't know what that means yet, but staying put isn't an option anymore. Your advice and support means everything to me right now. Keep it coming, please. Signing off for now, Brian. Hey everyone, Brian here. And honestly, things have gone from bad to worse. Sarah is still nowhere to be found, and the locals, well, let's just say they're not helping. This morning, I went back out, armed with more pictures of Sarah. I even printed some flyers at Greg's. Not that I think it'll do much good. When I showed her photo to an older man who runs the local hardware store, he looked at me, then back at the picture, and said, Ah, she's become part of the town now, hasn't she? Then he just smiled this eerie, knowing smile and walked away. What does that even mean? Desperate for leads, I decided to explore some places Sarah and I haven't visited yet. There's an old barn on the outskirts of town, and I couldn't shake the feeling that I should check it out. When I got there, it was abandoned. But I found something. A trap door, mostly covered by some old hay bales. It leads to what looks like a long underground tunnel system. Guys, I can't explain it, but it feels... wrong. Like I was stepping into a place I don't belong. Where no person belongs. I heard some faint sounds... Almost like whispers or maybe cries echoing in the dark. I'm telling you all this because I don't know if I'll get reception down there. But someone needs to know. And let's face it. I'm not going to get any help here. Not from the police. Not from Greg. I'm going in. And if you don't hear from me, well, you know what's happened. Pray for me. Pray for Sarah. Brian out. Guys, I'm losing it here. This isn't a joke. I'm not fucking around. My hands are shaking as I try to type this, and I'm struggling to breathe. This is a life or death situation, and you are literally my last hope. If you're reading this, you have to get the word out. Please help me.
When I walked into that tunnel, it felt like I was stepping into the mouth of hell. The darkness was suffocating, and the walls felt clammy, like they were sweating. The air was thick with a nauseating stench. Imagine rotting flesh mixed with damp mold and, I think, blood. The metallic smell was overwhelming. I started hearing the noises, horrific moans and screams coming from further down in the tunnel. I thought my heart was going to explode, it was beating so hard. I passed by several rooms that looked like someone had been operating on people. Tables in the center covered in a bloody sheet with a tray of bloody surgical tools nearby. Eventually the tunnels opened up to a huge cavern. It was beyond anything I could have expected. It was bigger than a football field, with some sort of artificial light on the ceiling mimicking sunlight. But in the ground, the source of all the sounds. People. Human beings. Planted like crops in some sick, twisted field. Their limbs were missing, and tubes were shoved into holes cut in their throats connected to this machine thing. It looked like it was almost alive, with disgusting flesh intertwined with wires and metal. It was feeding this vile, yellowish pus into the people's necks. The sound. God, the sound. This deafening agony. Some screaming, others groaning and a few laughing with madness in a way that made my skin crawl. The air was filled with a stench of decay, waste, and something chemical and toxic. I saw Greg and his wife among them. Their faces were lifeless, eyes hollow. They looked at me, but I don't think they were really seeing me. And then... Then Sarah appeared, except it wasn't her. Her face was swollen, bruised, like she had just come out of some brutal surgery. She spoke so casually, asking me to come with her, like we were in a fucking tea party. I bolted. I ran like my life depended on it, because it does. As I sprinted back towards the tunnel, I think, I'm pretty sure I saw Sarah. The real Sarah. Her arms missing. Tube inserted into her throat like all the rest. Her eyes filled with terror. It was only a split second I met her eyes among the huge field of human crops. I swear she recognized me too and was silently begging me to do something. I hesitated, slowing before people started coming out of unseen tunnels, calling my name. The fake Sarah was still walking towards me, calling my name as well. I ran back into the tunnel I came from, tears streaming down my face. I'm not just leaving Sarah, I'm going back for her. But I need help. I need someone to send help. After I got back above ground, I ran as fast as I ever have, trying every car door I could find. 
looking for any way to get out of here and get help. But every vehicle was either locked, keyless, or wouldn't start. The people in the village started coming out of every house and building, slowly walking towards me, calling my name in a freakish, deadpan tone. They're like zombies, but so much worse. What the hell is going on with this place? I ran until I couldn't run anymore. My lungs are burning, and my heart feels like it's going to burst. I finally ran into one of these small stores and locked the doors before stacking everything I could in front of it to barricade it. This is where I've been hiding for the last few minutes, but it's only a matter of time before they find me. I tried calling the cops again, but before I could even say anything, the operator just said, Stay where you are, Brian. We'll be with you shortly. And hung up. I mean, what the shit, man? How was this even possible? Please, for the love of God, send someone. Call 911. Call the FBI. The CIA. Call anyone. Just please hurry, this shit isn't a joke. These people are going to cut off my limbs and stick me in the ground. And one of these freaks will take my place. Oh. Oh no. Oh god. They're outside the door now, just staring inside, calling my name. Every second there's more of them. I have no escape. Send someone. Anyone. Right fucking now, please. They're breaking through the windows now, I can't... Hey everyone. Wow. I've been seeing the comments and some of you really bought into our little Halloween stunt. Huh. <laughs> Big shout out to user at Flexwood Mac who commented, This is all fake. Just for attention. You got us, man. It's all in good fun. Just a Halloween prank to get everyone in the spooky spirit. So don't worry, guys. Sarah and I are just fine. Enjoying the Harvest Festival here in good old Eden Grove. It's so awesome here. We love it. Anyway, that's it for now. Happy Halloween, everyone. Brian signing off. Now that you've heard the disturbing details that unfolded in Eden Grove, you may be asking yourself how something so monstrous, so meticulous, could occur without any intervention from the forces designed to protect us. The simple, chilling truth is, there aren't any. The police and government are not equipped or qualified to deal with such threats. And the Redwood Bureau? They serve only themselves. The Redwood Bureau is not a benevolent entity. Their interest in Eden Grove was not rooted in a desire to protect its citizens, but to neutralize a competing force. What happened in that small town was a brazen challenge to their monopoly on the inexplicable and the terrifying. The cult's audacity to operate on such a scale, to influence an entire community, and to tap into forces that even the Bureau doesn't fully understand was a threat they couldn't ignore. But make no mistake, 
This isn't about justice for the victims. This is about control. And what of the deity these cultists were serving? The Bureau's reports conveniently left that detail vague. But I've seen things in my research. Entities that defy our understanding of physics and biology. Entities that could make the horrors of Eden Grove look like child's play. Is the cult serving one of these beings? And if so, how many more towns will be harvested to satiate its dark appetite? If you're wondering how the Bureau managed to explain the sudden and immediate expansion of the entire town's population, well, on paper, Eden Grove is now a tragic casualty of a massive gas leak, a horrific but natural disaster that resulted in a catastrophic loss of life. Official statements cite a lethal combination of methane and carbon monoxide contamination, seeping into homes through a faulty underground system and suffocating the residents in their sleep. It's a narrative that's plausible enough to keep most people from asking further questions. But it gets even more sinister. The Bureau had the audacity to create fabricated social media posts, text messages, and even handwritten letters from the residents themselves, all designed to show that the people of Eden Grove were complaining about headaches, dizziness, and a foul smell in the days leading up to the tragedy. And the legacy media, they bought it hook, line, and sinker. Or perhaps they were told to buy it. After all, when the National Guard cordons off a town, you can be sure the higher-ups want the narrative controlled. The Bureau's report is detailed, but not complete. They've outlined how the cult operated, how they replaced, harvested, and mutilated their victims. Yet they left out why. Why Eden Grove? Why now? Could it be that this small community was just a test, a prototype for something far more expansive? This report is but a single tile in a mosaic of horrors that stretch far beyond one town, one event, or one malevolent cult. It's a piece in a puzzle that I've been trying to solve for years, a puzzle that reveals a disconcerting truth. We are not alone. We are not safe. And the very forces said to protect us might be the ones we should fear the most. So where does this leave us? Vigilant, if we're wise. Skeptical, if we're discerning. And afraid. Very, very afraid. If we're at all sane. I've always said, the price of truth is steep but the cost of ignorance is incalculable. As for me, my search continues, and as long as I draw breath, I will bring these dark secrets into the light, even as shadows gather to snuff that light out. This is Conroy, this is signing, Conroy off. signing off for now. For now. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com records.